Hello, this is Abby. Dear Abby, this is gonna be a long one. Oh boy. Dear Abby, how do you tell the difference between a new exciting crush and a rebound? Does it matter? Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Welcome to our little corner of the internet. This is the Dear Abby podcast. I hope you stay and hang out with us. See you in a sec. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Abby. Hello, besties. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, today we have just a normal episode, and I just wanted to talk about um, how I've been doing. I just feel like I haven't talked to you guys in a while, even though it's only been a week, but I just feel sad when I'm depressed in recording because I like to feel present and like, I don't know, I want feel good and I want to show people that it can be overcome and that OCD can be, you can recover from OCD, whatever that looks like for you. But to me right now, I'm still not in that place all the time. So I feel almost like guilty recording, but I also haven't given an update on just how my OCD has been lately and how that recovery part of my life is going, even though my life is a lot more than my OCD. The way that that disorder works is if it's really bad, it kind of controls your entire life. We're going to talk about that, okay? So just like an update of how I'm doing, just some real life, real talk. Um, And then we're going to talk about just like the love language of physical touch, how that can be helpful in anxiety recovery, any kind of recovery with mental illness um, when done correctly. And my experience with physical touch when I'm really anxious or when my OCD has kind of taken control. Yeah. And just like what it is like to experience like a gentle, friendly, physical, like manifestation of love, like hugging or just a simple touch of the shoulder trigger warning for anyone that has maybe any kind of trauma or experiences with you know even if they hear that and the first thing they think of is something negative then I would maybe talk to somebody about that because I definitely have experienced that and I know that there's there's like a way to look at touch past you know my bad experiences who the heck's calling me hold on my sister's calling um, I know what that's like to experience like not being able to be, I don't know, see past touch, not me already crying. Okay, we're not even talking about this yet. Okay, I'm Okay, we'll go back to that. That's what we're going to talk about later. And But first, I want to do a quick dub, an L, and then I'll talk about how I'm doing. We'll do the physical touch and then we'll go over or not go over. What am I? I've been in too many meetings. <laughs> that's what that was then we're gonna go over what i'm just a cog in the machine my humanness is slipping right through my fingertips through every data poll i do okay wow this is a loaded question the past couple of weeks have been very difficult shocking um life is just life you know, it's hard and it can be so good sometimes and it can be so exhausting and you can want to like give up one day and then like 20 minutes later you can feel 
like, oh my gosh, I can never be sad again. Like life is so good. I'm so grateful. And then, you know, it's just, I think that's, I don't know how common that is for everyone. And I don't know the emotional fluctuations of everyone every day. But for me, they're pretty intense. When I experience depression alongside my OCD, that's when I feel the darkest and the yuckiest and just the worst because then I almost like don't care to get better and I just like let my OCD kind of run its course because and not just in a good way where I just let it do what it does it's like I conform to it and I don't stand up for myself against it I guess uh, because I don't feel like I have the energy but I I know that I'm not supposed to like look for the emotions and look for the energy to do it. It's like, I just got to do it. Just do the exposures, do all of it. And I've learned about myself that through my recovery, I do exposure sometimes, but I don't do the response prevention, which is really just making my OCD worse, which doesn't feel very good. And that's just because when I'm not seeing a therapist, because sometimes it gets yeah too expensive it's pretty expensive and I've done it for years so that's thousands and thousands it's hard on my own when it gets really bad when it's like manageable I can do it on my own anyways I've been struggling pretty bad with existential themes uh religious themes uh relationship themes you name it I've had some weird somatic these are just the key words of some like OCD themes which is which themes just means this is what your brain is constantly sending you alarms about or constantly just like click here, click here, click here, click here. It's like it's like if you are on a computer and you have like a virus and you have one ad that pops up and it's like, oh, how annoying. And then you click on like the X on it, but then there's like 15 more but then you keep clicking it and then it's like more and more and more and you're just like, oh my gosh. And then you're like, I'm just done. So that that's when like I get exhausted of like having to not click into the thoughts. I'm just like, oh, I just wish there was like a little bit less, you know, to not have to click into. That would be nice. I the other day I got like weirdly, I was thinking about my blinking a lot. So I was blinking, obviously, as people do. And I couldn't stop thinking about my blinking and it would automatically like count my blinks and I was like oh my gosh how long am I going to have to focus on my like you blink all the time even as I as I talk I can feel it come up a little bit but it's not super sticky but it's just weird random things that like get thrown at me that I'm like I know this is OC like I logically I understand that this is probably an OCD thing but because it's run my life for so long it's still very hard to like I don't know what I don't fully know myself outside of my OCD yet. And I think that's why it's so hard to fully recover in the way of not having it so easily slip back into my day-to-day and ruminate for hours and hours, not be able to think about anything, not be able to focus. I've felt pretty low. Not like, I've just not felt like myself. I am, we just, I just got a new, I was off my parents' insurance, so I got a new insurance. So I'm actually trying to get back into therapy, but I'm just waiting to hear back on if they accept my insurance and then I'll figure out something, you know, moving forward to pay for it. Um, But I really have to start going back to support groups. And I was thinking for the religion that I 
practice. I don't know that I go to church for. I thought it would be so cool to make like a support group for that specific religion because I know there's a lot of people within the church that have these same fears and these same obsessions. And I have found freedom from OCD before. I know what that feels like. It's so freeing, so worth the fight to like get out of OCD, which is what I'm excited about because I remember what it's like to be freed from it. And it's so blissful. Oh, this is going to be a rough episode. To those of you not sure if it's worth it, I promise you with everything inside of me, it is it is so worth like doing the work for any type of mental illness, addiction, anything like that. But it takes hard work and it's so hard and it's like it breaks you down and you have to like create yourself back up. And, you know, obviously I've God has been a huge support for me and just my experience with God and um, a creator, someone who loves me now and forever and wants me to be happy and trusting that. And then also trusting people who research OCD and who are therapists and who are trying their best and are knowledgeable about this stuff to trust them and trust the process. And there's not like a timeline for recovery for anything. It's so personal to you. So don't let anyone else's story or timeline or anything make you feel like you cannot recover or that it's not for you or you're the exception you're not the exception other than that other than the tricky stuff (laughs) this is like one of those moments where if you've like had like really bad feelings or not good feeling feelings (laughs) for a long period of time or just depression I literally can't think of a single good time in the past couple of weeks, but I know I've had them, but I can't think of it. I can't like conjure up what that felt like, which is, you know, just mentally like that's just a classic. I feel like for people who are struggling mentally, but I have had good times in the past and I have to remind myself daily when I feel yucky and I feel like nothing's ever going to get better and it's the same thing over and over again and I've tried this before and when that type of a story starts taking control I have to like re-surrender and re like just work on mindfulness again and just watching those thoughts and not attaching to them and that's when I get scared because I'm so attached to it that it's really hard for me but it's possible and I've done it before I just it snuck back in and so, yeah, I'll f- we'll, f- we'll figure it out, you guys. We will all figure it out. Not the OCD way. Just, I mean, just keep trying. Not actually figure it out. You know, that's not good. That's rumination. Fancy word for trying to figure it out and overthink everything and not focus on anything else and try to make it click in your head. Yada, yada, yada. So let's get into the second portion of this week's episode which is physical touch (laughs) um the reason i wanted to talk about this was because lately i've been noticing that physical touch is like number one love language for a lot of people in the world mostly men uh shocking but uh I mean, not all men. So definitely if you're in a relationship, ask and try to figure out what their 
actual number one is, but but I'm learning that one of mine actually is physical touch as well, but it's not always in like that intimate way. It's more just in a hug or a touch on the leg or, you know, very gentle gest- gestures that show me this is just all for my boyfriend. I just make this just so he knows what to do and what not to do. He's actually really good at all of these things. Like he's, he's very, he's very sweet. Um, but I've noticed it in myself that when I'm really anxious or really stressed and then like a simple hug or yeah, just any kind of gentle touch makes me feel so much more supported and makes me feel so much more connected to my partner or to my friend or to whoever is like comforting me, hugging me, whatever. I don't know why, but I've just never been like a physical touch person. Like I, you will not ever see me run up to my friend and hug them. I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. Like I'm just not, I just don't really care for it that much. But in times of need where I've been very sensitive, vulnerable, uh, scared, confused, very lonely. A warm embrace feels amazing. And it just like rejuvenates you and reminds you that there's a million other people in your circle of friends, family, whatever. There are people that are just like you, you know, that have a body like you. They're they're just as confused sometimes. They're just as sad sometimes through a simple embrace or something. You can feel that connection if you allow it, Uh, which kind of brings me back to my first thing when I was talking about is at the beginning of the episode, just how sometimes even talking about this can be very triggering to people. And to just circle back to that, I totally understand. Well, I might not understand exactly, obviously, but I understand what I felt like when anyone would talk about like physical touch. I just was like, oh, that's bad. You know, it would just go to a really negative place, but that was because of my experiences, negative, very negative experiences. I've been, I worked on this also with a therapist to kind of flip the script and just touch is touch. It's when I was in yoga teacher training a couple years ago, a long time ago, actually, uh, our teacher taught us about how important physical touch is to people and it's again I'm mostly talking about in a friendly way and so how important it is to like feel the warmth of someone else's skin oh she was teaching us about how in that specific studio they had these cards and a lot of yoga studios have this if they're like sensitive to you know people who have survived traumatic events physically and don't like to be touched it's very triggering for them, not comfortable, especially from a stranger. So they'd have these cards where you can flip yes or no. Like yes was like, you can adjust me or like, you know, they do like the hands and then they put them on your back or stuff like that. Um, And then the other side was no, like, please don't touch me. And so you'd put it on the front of your mat and you'd do yes or no, Uh, which I thought was like so respectful, so aware and so kind to do that. All yoga studios should do that, in my opinion, because you just never know where people are at in their lives. So she was walking us through that and also how important it is, though, when they say yes. Like some of these people, this is like the only touch they have from another person all day and maybe for weeks or months because of their situation. And again, 
some tendency can just go straight to sexual. So again, this could be very triggering, but I just think it's important because I know what it's like to be freed from like everything being negative with touch. Um, and I just want to share my experience. So she was like that, that, that two second adjustment or when you put your hands, like you, you warm up your hands, you put them on their back or wherever their shoulders, um, that's can be so comforting and bring people back down into their bodies, into like the real life. People are very stuck in their heads and because life is hard, you know, and some people are looking forward to that, to feel connected, to feel alive again. And that's just always stuck with me because I think of who, like whenever people want to hug me, specifically my mom or when, you know, a friend or someone wants to hug and I probably will still be like, I hate this, but I'll at least hug them back with, with the same attitude, but I'll hug them back and I don't want to be someone that like will reject that in someone. And the point of this is I think just to talk about how real of a love language this is. Like it's not like some made up love language. It's so real and it's so important. Another situation I can think of is whenever I would have a panic attack or an anxiety attack, uh, mostly panic attacks, it was so helpful for someone to put a hand on my shoulder or a hand on my back because I'd usually be folding forward like trying to breathe and trying to like keep my composure and just a hand pressure on you felt so comforting and but it's not hard it's not like fast it's like it's very you have to be very gentle inviting not invasive obviously I'm mostly talk. okay don't do this to like complete strangers (laughs) that's not the point the point is like if you have friends or family whatever just like sometimes that little amount of touch can be so comforting and helpful so don't be scared to show love or support in that way Uh, especially if they receive it well and they're usually a touchy person or whatever also when I was going through my divorce the day after I flew after he left I flew to my sister's place in California And that flight, I'm not kidding, that entire time I was sobbing. I did not give a crap. I was sobbing through the airport. I was sobbing the whole, like the whole time. I was being quiet. I wasn't like, (laughs) but I was like, you know, in my little corner, like trying not to make a scene, Um, crying into my hoodie, probably using my sleeves to wipe my snot. That's a classic, it's a classic depression move. Also, nothing is better at itching your nose than the end of your sleeve like this feels good when I was in the airport though I like couldn't even stand because I was crying so hard (laughs) and uh it's so weird I did not care I usually am very like I don't want to be annoying but I did not care that day obviously I was just like sitting down waiting to board and I was sobbing and I was leaning on my suitcase and I was trying to be quiet about it you know but people could tell people some people were pointing some people were like looking at me back and forth and I don't think they were like making fun of me maybe they were but I think most people just see that and they don't know what to do. Like you see someone in public and they look distressed. They look sad. You're like, I don't know you. I can't help you. Like you're probably going to get annoyed if I try to be nice. You're probably going to get annoyed. Like maybe they'll reject it and maybe they will. But for me that day when I was in such a low place, having this one woman walked up to me and she just like said, it's going to be okay. And she just put her hand on my shoulder and like very gentle. I just like in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, it was so comforting to like have another random human 
that's going about their day, they've probably experienced something and they've probably cried the exact same way before, felt the exact same way, just being like, it's going to be okay. And, but not dismissing him, not telling me that I'm being dramatic or annoying or something, just like, it's going to be okay. And I think that just really touched me and it really opened my heart to what I can do for other people in that way. And I hope I'm someone that I've, I'm usually scared that I'm going to annoy people if I'm nice to them, like extra, like if someone needs help, like I don't know why, but I freeze. Uh, I really want to be someone that will just run to someone's aid if they fall, if they are having an anxiety attack. Like I want to be this, I want to be someone that will run up and comfort them or put their hand on their shoulder. Even if they reject me, I tried. I just have to accept the fear of that because the one person that it does help, like it's, it's very, very helpful. So I just think non-romantic touching and romantic touching, obviously all of it, but this is more so non-romantic, non-sexual touching specifically for this episode, for what I'm talking about, for the point I'm trying to get across is very good for the soul and can be very rejuvenating. And um, so don't be scared to comfort people that need to be comforted. A hug does more than you think. And uh, especially in a relationship, going now into more of a relationship realm, this is my advice to men, <laughs> okay? If you have a sensitive, anxious, sensitive, I don't know, emotional, just a girlfriend pretty much, or vice versa, girls, if you have a sensitive boyfriend or whatever, men, 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 be so gentle with the way that you touch them. Trust me when I say, and I think there's a billion people that have said this before, and I will say it again, until people learn, men, if you want anything out of your wife, girlfriend, and that way, we both know what I'm talking about. The last thing you want to do to an anxious girlfriend or wife is to do anything like jokingly or like fast, abrasive, like random stuff like that is so triggering. And it maybe would be fine for another girl, but your girlfriend, your specific girlfriend, your specific wife maybe doesn't want that depending on their reaction. I don't know. I'm saying you got to pay attention to that. If you do that, they will not want to be physical with you at all. Trust me. If you are very like gentle and just a back tickle, you know, stuff like that, not trying to get anything out of it because girls can feel that energy and it's stressful and it's like, especially if it's abrasive, it's very stressful for us anxious, sensitive girlies. Um, if you want to actually be intimate with your wife, because the goal of that is to actually be intimate, not just like, I don't care what she wants, like I feel like this, so let's do this thing. If your goal is actually to love your wife or girlfriend, then you have to pay attention to how she's feeling in that moment and be more gentle probably and move forward accordingly because I promise you that works way better. Gentle, <laughs> not desperate touching. <laughs> okay, if my siblings are listening to this. Please skip this part. I'm just saying. Look, I, I was married for quite a while. So, uh, okay, 
or girlfriends and wives, if you're listening, you can definitely voice that if that's like your experience. And it's not like bad on the guys for doing that. They they probably don't even understand or know better because they would love if we were like that to them. <laughs> but um, if you have that experience, please voice that and be gentle about it to them and not make them feel bad because they do love you, I'm sure. And they're just wanting to, you know, hang out with you. Uh, but voice that if that's something that you need, it's something that you want, you know, figure it out together. It's very possible. Plus, you know, I always think like at the beginning of every relationship, normally what makes a girl fall in love with a guy is he makes her feel safe. He makes her feel wanted, but also safe. So sometimes in a relationship as things progress and, you know, you've been with each other for a long time, some women don't mind this and that's totally okay. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, sometimes I wish that I wasn't as sensitive or anxious, obviously. So sometimes just as a woman, you just feel scared a lot. Like just naturally, you just feel more scared. And so I feel like a boyfriend's or like a husband, like they're part of what I think would make them feel connected to you and vice versa is if they constantly made you feel safe and safe enough to want to be intimate with them. And I think that's both responsibilities on both sides, but mostly in that exact situation, the male's responsibility to make the woman feel safe and listen to them and listen to their needs, listen to their wants. And I just feel like that would seriously improve. So like that was, yeah. I don't know anything though, you guys, I really don't. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a marriage therapist. I'm not a couples therapist. So do not listen to me, uh, I guess. Do what you think. Go ask a professional, actually. I'm just talking about my experience. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> I can't say anything about like the physical touch without sounding a little bit creepy, like to, to wrap it all up. No matter what I'd say, it'd sound a little bit weird. So I'm just going to move on to the Dear Abby. Okay, you guys, I am feeling very, very excited and emo because this podcast is now made possible by No CD. You guys have heard me talk about No CD a million times in my podcast. I did therapy there. I go to support groups still to this day, and it's been such a huge part of my recovery journey. I couldn't be more excited about this partnership with them. No CD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. No CD therapists are trained in exposure response prevention therapy, which is a gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face -face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists from anywhere inside or outside the U.S. It's affordable, and they accept most major insurance plans, so getting help has never been easier. NoCD therapy goes beyond sessions. It includes in-between session support, where you can message your therapist anytime, access therapeutic tools, and get support from a community of peers who are overcoming OCD right in the NoCD platform. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. Visit NoCD.com today and book a free 15-minute call with their care team, many of whom have also experienced OCD. If you think you may be struggling with OCD, there's always hope. Now is the time to regain your life. Visit NoCD.com today. This Dear Abby is just a text, so I don't... Well, I have my phone here, but there's no call, so it's just a text. Let me read it to you. It says, Dear Abby, comma, any advice on dealing with difficult on oh, already messed that up. Idiot. I'm such an idiot. 
Any advice on dealing with a difficult roommate? We have been friends for a while, but just moved in together post-grad. She doesn't seem to want to hang out and doesn't seem to take any interest in my life. I do like, I do a lot of initiating and most of the time she says no anyway. It honestly makes me feel really sad and the thought of having a conversation about it is so daunting. Okay, the part that kind of confuses me is that you were friends for a while and then you just moved in together but she doesn't want to hang out anymore. Hmm. My advice, what would I do in that situation? Loki, I'd probably just not try to hang out anymore. Knowing myself, I give up sometimes pretty fast. <laughs> um, I'm working on that. If it's post-grad, you're friends. Now you, she doesn't want to hang out. Maybe she's just, maybe you've grown apart. If you ask her to hang out and she says no, I guess there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, I would just maybe one time ask her like how she's doing emotionally or mentally. Like if you guys were good friends and now she's just like not the same person, that's probably not a great sign that she's like, she could just be totally different now or maybe she's struggling with something. So I would just ask her once, maybe twice, but not bug her about it. And also it's not really your responsibility, but I think the nice thing to do is to ask her if she's okay make sure she is cool and then you're a good friend and maybe just stop asking her to hang out because if she keeps saying no and it's making you sad and it just feels like more and more rejection, then maybe it's just time to find maybe another friend. I mean, I've had roommates that couldn't care less about me, didn't want to hang out with me, never invited me to stuff. Having a roommate is very hard if they're strangers and if they're friends. Depending on what type of stranger, depending on what type of friend, it can be good or bad. Um, but my experiences with, I've never lived with a friend, so I actually don't know what it's like to room with a friend. I would be so shocked though if I was like excited to move in with my friend and then she just didn't want to ever hang out, stopped like responding, didn't care. I'd be like, what, did I do something? Maybe you did something. Or maybe she did something. Maybe just throw a party. Maybe just throw a party and invite a bunch of hot boys and don't invite her. And she walks in and she's like, what the heck? Why didn't you invite me? You're like, you don't even ever want to hang out anymore. So thought I'd find new friends. Put that in a movie. I'm not kidding. If that was me, I think I would just talk to her once. If she seems responsive, she wants to have a conversation, great. You can like, you know, go back and forth, try to figure out what she needs, what you need, you know, have that back and forth. If she's not responsive, the first like two times I try to talk to her, I probably would just like give it up for that time and being and just be like, you know what, then I don't want to like have to put my energy into you if you're not going to like care about me at all. I, I think you should look after each other. But when it comes to a point where it's like, I don't want to keep investing this in you if you're not you know I think that's okay you shouldn't feel bad for that yeah I'd probably just not have any friends I'd probably just say you know what? this is why I don't have friends but I actually I do have friends you guys I do want to have one of my friends on the okay multiple of my friends on the podcast eventually when they come visit but none of them live here so I do have like a lot of friends I have a lot of friends uh, they just don't, they're just don't go here. They just don't live here. They live somewhere else. I could call, you want me to call them? I could call, I could call some of them. It's probably too late. So they probably won't answer. I'll just call them next episode. But that's my advice. 
I am very excited to go to bed. <laughs> I got back from work. I record and I haven't eaten my dinner yet. And I'm so hungry. I'm going to make, what the heck am I going to make? Oof. I'm going to eat a sandwich and then I'm going to make myself a tortilla because I, I have a bunch of extra cheese and put, uh, put beans on it maybe. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Dear Abby. If you want to see more episodes, you can go to YouTube, Spotify, podcast. I have a million episodes on there now at this point. I think I have almost 60 episodes, which is crazy. And so grateful to be doing this podcast. So grateful for all of you for listening. And if you want to support the podcast, you can like, subscribe on YouTube. Um, you can share it to your stories. You can tell your friends, family about it. Anyone that like experiences OCD, anxiety, depression, any of that stuff, any kind of mental illness or just someone who wants a comfy, cozy podcast, um, send them my way. You can also leave a rating and review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify and comment down below on YouTube. I made that really complicated. I put those all in different. I could have just had one, but I did have like 50 things going on. I love you guys. Bye. Oh,